This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. The name of the show is Hitting the Mark. I'm the Mark, Jeffrey Mark. And this time we are talking about one of the giant icons of television comedy writing, my friend Bob Schiller. Listen in. I was booked as an entertainer on cruise ships for a while. So there was a six, eight, nine month period where I wasn't even in this country. I was in the Caribbean. I was in Africa. I was in Europe. I was in South America. I wasn't here. When I came back, I knew that Bob had had the beginnings of Alzheimer's disease. They had to take his car away from him because one day he was out driving and he didn't know where he was driving to. So I began picking Bob up at the house or driving him if he needed to go someplace. And he was one day at lunch. He said, I don't understand it. Why? Why do they have to take my car away? I said, Bob, because you're 500 years old and it's time to stop driving. And he laughed and he goes, you know what? You're right. You saw the comedy in it. You're right. But when I got back from the cruise ships, it was a whole different ball game. His wife was running everything. I came to the house. He came in, he looked at me. I said, Bob, do you know who I am? He says, kind of. And we started talking. I said, so am I the person? He said, yeah, I kind of remember that we'd been like close, close, close friends. He had memories of me, misty memories of me. And I made an appointment to come in from the desert and take him to lunch for next time. And his wife stopped me on the way to the front door and said, your friendship with Bob is not good for him. I don't want you coming back here. What can one do? So if it sounds like sour grapes, like she was wonderful and I'm angry for being banished. No, I am telling you what Bob told me. I might've made her angry once also. At her dinner parties, which were very nice. She was a wonderful cook. She was also a professional caterer. So the food was always magnificent at her dinner parties. But she had this thing that everybody who was there had to sing a song. To the point where she made everybody at the table uncomfortable. And I was like, how many times are you going to do this and not realize you're making your guests uncomfortable? Now, I didn't mind singing. I'm a singer. It's what I do, among other things. But the people there weren't singers. They were mostly comedy writers and comedy directors, friends of Bob's, or her kids who didn't sing. So I decided to sing I Put My Hand In from Hello, Dolly, mm -hmm. and dedicate it to her. You know, for when my little pinky wiggles, some young maiden gets the giggles. And it's a funny song, but it was obvious I was calling her a manipulator hoping she'd get the point, like, don't do this. Well, she was furious, furious. That was the last time I was in, no, I was invited one more time for dinner. She had an outdoor dinner for a Jewish holiday and it got unseasonably cold. 
And Bob told her to get me a sweater and she brought me a very expensive cashmere sweater out. Now, folks, I have had weight problems through the years. Not right at the moment, but I have been heavy sometimes. And she gives me, she throws a sweater at me and she says, it's a shame that expensive sweater and you're going to stretch it all out. He won't be able to wear it again. Well, thank you for making me feel comfortable in your home. Um, I've never understood passive aggressive stuff like that. You have a problem with me? Why don't you pull me aside and talk it out with me? That's why the manipulative thing. Uh, I don't mind hearing truths, even if I don't agree with them. I don't like being manipulated. I, I had a Jewish mother. I had a professional doing it. I don't need amateurs to try and do it with me. <laughs> but it ended our friendship, Bob's and mine, prematurely after like you know being close for 15 years. What can you do? I wish her well. Uh, since Bob's death, I hope she's had a happy life. But I want nothing to do with her. I like her daughters. I adore Bob's sons. And I wish them all well. But uh, sometimes one has to cut bait when things get toxic. I guess I couldn't talk about Bob without mentioning this is what happened to our friendship. Bob was enormously supportive of me. Uh, if I could have afforded to join his country club, he would have sponsored me at it, but I, I couldn't afford to go there. Bob was very wealthy. I was not. But I had a wonderful time with him. I learned immensely about comedy writing from him. And that somebody of that caliber of talent thought I was talent and treated me like a peer is amazing to me. I'm sorry his personal life was so troubled. Uh, every woman he married seemed to have had mental health issues. And um, he did tell a funny story. And I'm trying to remember the name of the starlet this applied to. In between wives, he was dating around. And this one woman, and if, if you knew her name, you'd know why this is so funny. Because she almost exclusively played sex pots who spoke with a real heavy Brooklyn accent. Like she's beautiful till she opens her mouth. And that was her shtick. And he was dating her. And he got there one day to take her to a, an awards dinner. He was Maybe it was the Emmy Awards as his date. And she had two muscle guys there sniffing around her. And she was fixing her makeup. And Bob said to her, look, we have to go. I told you when to get ready. We need to leave now. And he said to me, and she turned to me and she said, ooh, you masterful bastard. <laughs> At least I think she said masterful. <laughs> that's Bob's sense of humor. That's, that's the thinking crooked thing. He also was approached by Vivian Vance. Vivian had a crush on him. Uh, when Vivian divorced her husband in the late 1950s and before she married the next guy, she very much wanted to go out with Bob. She thought he was very cute. And uh, Bob didn't see her that way. And Vivian said something very poignant to him. She says, you know, Bob, all my life, I've been afraid of men. That's why I like you. I'm not afraid of you. But all of my life, I've been so afraid of men. I've spent my entire life hiding underneath them. Think about that phrase for half a second. Hiding underneath them. Ooh. Tells you a lot about Vivian Vance's personal life. Letting yourself be controlled. 
She meant physically. Uh-huh. Physically yeah. underneath them. She was talking about sex. I'm yeah. so afraid of them. I've spent half of my life hiding underneath them. I get it. And I uh, found a Roger Coast picture that says, under every good man lies a good mistress. <laughs> <laughs> Jeffrey, tell us a little bit about uh, having lunch with Larry, David, and Bob. I mean, what was that like? Well, we often met celebrities at his country club. And because the food there was wonderful. It was one of the best golf courses in town. And we literally just, we were getting seated and stumbled upon Larry David. Now, Larry, like he knew who I was, but didn't care. And why should he? But he saw Bob and went, oh my God, you're Bob Schiller. You wrote, I love Lucy. Can I sit with you? You know, you'd think that someone like Larry David, who at that time was the creator and producer of Seinfeld, the number one hit show on television, that uh, he'd have an ego about that. What was so fascinating was to sit down and it was like watching a 12-year-old boy sitting and having lunch with his hero. All he wanted to do was hear Bob Schiller stories and ask him about his writing and ask him how he created things. Bob was thrilled because we hadn't expected him to join us. We didn't even know he was there. And to have that kind of adulation coming from the guy with the number one show on the air. Uh, reinforced Bob of his importance in the business. Uh, even having a very long career, if after a while you're not working for a while, you forget how much you've done and how much people think of you because you're not in the thick of it anymore. And his sitting with us, you, you go, I mean, I, I don't know for sure that Bob didn't rise like a foot out of his chair, just on a cloud having someone like Larry just kissing his feet like that. It was, I stay, I stayed out of it. I didn't, I just sat and listened because Bob was getting such a kick out of it. Bob always got a kick when Johnny Mathis would come by the table and say hello because he was a fan of Bob's and I love Lucy. And he knew I had written about Ella and appreciated both of our careers. There were other people who belonged to that country club who would stop by from time to time and either have lunch with us, but always acknowledging me, but always bowing down to Bob Schiller. In the world of television writing, uh, he is considered one of the masters. And uh, boy, was I a lucky guy to sit there. But uh, that was my friend, Bob Schiller. Uh, He was a good, good, good friend to me and a comedy icon. And I'm enormously lucky and blessed that I had such a friend. And I hope those of you who are listening know him a little bit better now and understand why he was so venerated by everybody in the business. I enjoyed it, Jeffrey. I really did. Um, every, Every week we just, you know, gather so much more knowledge about people. We just only know on the surface. And now we're able to delve into, you know, a lot of people that, kind of on their, they're on the periphery and now you bring them to the center. So I know from my point of view, uh, it's very beneficial. Well, I'm glad you guys had a good time with me. So on behalf of Ray Carr and Cindy Verbalin, all of you who are listening, God bless and have a happy. <laughs>